Hello, and welcome to episode 52 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. So today's a very special episode. I'm really excited. Uh, well, you've thrown me off. I mean, I had to record the intro sentence twice, um, because just before we started, you said, oh, I'm standing up. Yeah. And it shocked me to my core. Well, I think my full quote is, I'm standing up because I do better. I do advocacy better when standing. And your, your reaction was, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, ah, oh, shit. I've forgotten <laughs> to speak English already. The last <laughs> time I forgot to speak English... Was, on was the show on the same topic <laughs> was on the same topic yes we are here we are at the trial of john marcone that's such because... a good episode title i know it's great isn't it i think the this only... might well be a series don't you think people the love the idea of, I, like, I think i think it's a good idea the only other one i can think of we do you have the trial of john marcone or you have the people versus john marcone uh yeah I think, but i think the trial yeah. is better i think the trial, I think the trial, is trial of is better yeah it's going to be I good. Think the trial was better. It's going yeah, to be I mean, good. Let us know if there's anyone. Well, <laughs> depends how this episode goes. We're both very nervous about this one. I feel. I don't know why. Yeah. We've put I it off a lot. A lot. We've, we've put it. We've put it off a lot. We've recorded about three episodes rather than recording this one, and I think the re- I we've set ourselves a really lofty goal, while at the same time, in no way defining what that goal actually is. So that, that's going to be part of the problem, which hopefully will be part of mm. the fun, is that we don't actually really know how we've both thought about this. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, we were talking before we started about sort of debate styles and stuff like that, and I've been thinking of it in sort of British parliamentary style debate, because that's what I, I did at, at school. But that, you, that you, hasn't you even crossed my and, mind, yeah. You then turned around and went, what? No. But because I genuinely, you, that never once crossed my mind that this was going to be a parliamentary debate. Um, it's just, it's just, it, not in terms of address or anything like that, but just in the way sort of you get given a motion and then it's for the uh, proposition side to frame the motion and so frame the debate. That's that's sort of how I've been thinking about it. But that's, That makes a lot of sense. I'm just yeah, picturing they, suits where I'm going to yeah. Harvey Specter and win. You're going to Harvey Specter <laughs> and win to Harvey Specter, the verb. Yeah, that's that's exactly. Oh, get ready for a lot of made-up bullshit in this episode. Um, yeah, no, gonna Harvey Specter and win. So yeah, yeah. So we, we should we should get to it quickly. Uh, but just I guess by way of with preamble, we're going to try and enter into the spirit. I think, and so pretend that this is an actual court case. So we will be addressing arguments to a jury, which I guess is just the listeners. Is that right? Uh, I suppose so. I, I haven't really written anything that addresses the jury, so I'm going to need to oh, do well, that on the fly. That but, was um, your mistake, wasn't it? That was that was indeed my mistake. Um, I don't I know think, if there's anything else. I think the really. prosecution is already in trouble. <laughs> the prosecution started um, in trouble because I don't know what crime I'm accusing him of. So... Yeah, if you laugh, but it can't be. So one thing, obviously, is that I'm in no way a trained lawyer, uh, and I'm I'm not a trained. You're a advocate. professional barrister, so <laughs> you know, I I I am not a trained advocate. <laughs> I don't stand up in court, so this Lawyers is not as 
as you said earlier, lawyers are lawyers. This is not as new to me as it is to to Vib, but fundamentally, we're both here to just have a bit of fun. We're both here to have a bit of fun, yeah. Um, there is no, there will be no references to case law or authority or anything like that, uh, because we'd be just making it up. And obviously, oh, what I mean? I'm not saying that I won't be making a lot of shit up. But anyway, no. if if you want, if you're here completely by accident, first of all, welcome. Yeah, Secondly. It makes a lot of sense for you to go and listen to episode 48, which is our first episode where we talked about John Marcone from the Dresden Files. Yes. Uh, and it got very heated because it turns out that I'm morally bankrupt and Sean is naive. And so this is why we're here again. That's, that's a pretty good summary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> sort of it. That is um, sort of it. So we're, we're, we're back for round two. <laughs> Where I think you are going to accuse John Marcone of something, uh, and I I'm am. going to defend him from something. <laughs> okay, what could I mean, go wrong? What, what what could go wrong? I guess. Should we just dive into it? Just let's see how it goes. All right. I mean, all, all rise, I suppose, right? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Oh, did not tell you? I'm the judge, too. <laughs> Every time I go to... <laughs> I'm trying to give myself a beat of silence, and you keep filling nope, it with not bullshit. Really. I'm the judge, I'm also the jury. <laughs> You're the judge and the jury. Oh, dear. And the executioner. Anyway, I'll, I'll, let, I'll give you the floor. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your... Wait, no, uh, wrong speech. John Marcone. A name that raises more questions than answers. And a name that splits, a name that divides. What is John Marcone? Is he a gentleman, as his epithet would have us believe? Is he a savior, a hero, a good man? No, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he is none of these things. John Marcone is a monster, a wolf in sheep's clothing, not a diamond in the rough, but the bad apple that spoils the pot. And over the course of however long is left in this podcast episode, I will prove this. I will prove that not only is John Marcone the greatest of the villains of the Dresden Files, I will go further, although that is the core assertion we're here today to prove. I will show that John Marcone is the cautionary tale at the heart of the series. He isn't Harry's alter ego, or his antagonist, or his agonist, whatever an agonist is. He is his nemesis, the cancer at the heart of Chicago. Now, my friend will attempt to confuse and befuddle with clever turns of phrase or words that he's made up. But make no mistake, John Marcone is the very worst of humanity, and we should not be so quick to forgive his sins. Thank you. That's my I, opening. I am shocked and disappointed. I was about to hit you with my very first quote, which is going to be Shakespeare's Brevity is the Soul of Wit. Shakespeare, <laughs> it gets granted to multiple people. But you, were, you actually kept it quite brief. I'm impressed. Wow. You've thrown me. That's, yeah. I am. Um, my, my plan is to be pithy insofar as it's possible for me to be pithy. Um, yeah. That is only my introduction. 
Um, this is also definitely how trials work, right? As in when the opening statement from the prosecution is done, we sort of riff on it a little bit. And yeah, no, there's a bit of back and, bit of back and forth. You know, yeah, sometimes like, the judge banters a little bit. Pretend I've, I've stood up, uh, you know, I stood up and slow clapped you there, you know. Mm. That's, that's often a, considered a step too far, but I like the image. Well, what's great is that sort of halfway through that, I was like, maybe I should take notes on what he actually said. Uh, and so I tried to, um, but I've forgotten a lot. So I anyway, we'll, we'll that, come back to that when we need that's, to. That's only the introduction. Actually, it probably makes sense to explain a little bit of the structure that we're going to put in place after my opening statement. So just very quickly, we'll each get a, a brief opening statement, uh, followed by a chance to, to make our cases and a chance to rebut each other's cases before a brief closing statement, which I really should have written in advance, but never mind. Uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. With uh, with that opening statement out of the way, I yield the floor to you. Well, thank you very much. I am not made of stone, but I have found it is generally best to behave as if I am. The words of a mortal man trying his best in a world filled with supernatural dangers. The words of a man trying his very best to protect humanity. The words of a man whose character is beyond reproach. John Marcone is a just man of strong morals and impeccable fashion sense, who is living the American dream. He believes his beliefs to be of such quality that he will not bow down to insufficiently strong evidence to the contrary. That said... He is not unreasonable, often willing to put himself in danger to protect others for the greater good. In short, it is not unfair to say he's a <clears throat> hero. This code of conduct is especially apparent when our most valued, precious citizens, the children of Chicago, are in any way involved. Even as a captive, at a point of imminent death, he ensured Miss Ivy Archive was escorted to safety before he himself was. Now, regardless of his motivations, John Marcone has been known to support the people of Chicago, providing protection from such supernatural threats as the FOMOR, bankrolling the Brighter Future Society, and galvanizing the city in defense against Titan Ethnew. He treats his, uh, his staff with respect and provides more than fair wages, health insurance, and other benefits. He is an honorable man who, once his word is given, can be entirely trusted to follow through on any agreement made. On top of that, he does it with a sense of courtesy, honour, and grace that is seldom seen in modern times. Most importantly, may it please the court, can it be proved that Gentleman John Marcone, though he has been a major character in over half the Dresden Files books, he is the villain in none. As such, the defence sees this as a flagrant attempt to undermine the stability of the mortal world in Chicago, uh, were we as cynical as the prosecution, we would argue this is a result of witchcraft by a certain Harry Dresden seeking to further establish his own power here, yet finding himself incapable of doing so on merit alone. It is clear he has bewitched my poor opposite number into making unverifiable, wild and simply untrue claims about a man to whom we owe so much. The defence seeks that the judge throughout this case to prevent what is clearly a kangaroo court. So your your case is that he's polite. I mean, is that, yes. Is, is, is that it? As far as I can tell from the from the notes that I did take, I've basically written down polite. I mean, yeah. <sighs> people, if people are half as polite as John Marcone, the world would be a better place. No, that I don't disagree with. But uh, there's a there's a lot that I I take issue with. But 
I'm not allowed to argue with your opening statement, sadly. Uh, which is interesting because uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's no there's no space for it in my speech. Um, <laughs> no, I I think I think I I would like to to challenge just a lot of this. I will challenge in my own case, and that's quite good. I think we do have quite a lot of overlap. Um, I'd just like to highlight for the benefit of the court that the staff to which you refer are in fact uh, prostitutes. Is that is that correct? Uh, I'm not a witness. I can't answer that one way or another. <laughs> That's a rule of procedure with which I was not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to going to leave that one leave that one hanging. It's gonna be a great little game. <laughs> if I if I'm if I may. Like the vaunted triumvirate of ancient Rome, my case rests on a solid foundation of three core arguments. In making my case, I will challenge and disprove the assertion that is made frequently that John Marcone is little more than the mirror image of Harry Dresden, our titular hero. I will challenge and disprove the assertion that notwithstanding the misery he causes, we should consider John Marcone as the lesser of two evils, some defender of Chicago. And, having done both of these things, I will instead show that John Marcone exists to exemplify the very worst traits of humanity in the Dresden Files. John Marcone needs no fallen angel whispering temptations on his shoulder. He has already embraced the darkness. He's become one with its evils long before taking up his coin and joining the ranks of the Knights of the Blackened Denarius. So, turning to my, my first, John Marcone as the Dark Harry. Now, this is a, an assertion that we, we hear made frequently. John Marcone is little more than a version of Harry Dresden who recognises that everyone has a price, that his actions are nothing more than efficient steps taken towards goal. And that may be true. I don't know that it's provably true or provably false. We're, not, we're never inside his head. But what I know is provably true... Um, objection. We are in a book that you clearly haven't read. You call yourself I, the prosecution. The, the short stories are not canon and are not relevant to my case. Don't disagree. <laughs> of course they're canon. Well, they may be canon, they're not relevant to my case because I don't remember reading them. Yeah, but I still object to the point you made that we're never in his head. And I think that objection is sustained. So seldom are we in John Marcone's head. <laughs> <laughs> Good save. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's completely thrown me. What was that? Yes, saying? this is good because I don't actually have anything written down over my opening, uh, over and above my opening statement. So you're already doing me. I think, I think, as the defence, you essentially get to pick apart my arguments. Yeah, that's what um, I was hoping for. Yeah, um, we've done it. Listeners. So, so seldom are we in John Fake Marcon's head. coming in one. Three, two, one. Well, no, uh, <laughs> actually, makes reminds me. I should check. Uh, John Marcone. Jesus Christ, John Marcone. Uh, what we do know about John Marcone is clear. His action, the goals of his actions, are wildly disconnected from those of Harry Dresden. Harry Dresden seeks to fulfil all of the roles that my friend has already alluded to that he seeks to lay at the feet of John Marcone. 
defender of Chicago. John Marcone does not exist to be defender of Chicago. John Marcone does not take a seat at the table of the Unsealy Accords to defend Chicago. He seeks, as all criminals do, to further his own interests, no more and no less. And make no mistake, the mere fact that he wears crisp suits and speaks politely does not prevent him from being a criminal. Hello. <laughs> are you are you alive? It's, I am I am alive. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm sad at the state that we're in. Turning to the question of whether or not John Marcone is the greater or the lesser evil. And I'm saddened by the fact that we're constantly asked to choose between two evils. Why? Why is that the choice that is before us? Why must we put up with this baser version of humanity? This version that exists to prey on the suffering and misery of others simply because they're better than the alternative. Why is the alternative not better? Why, why are we not offered a better alternative? Why does John Marcone not seek to be the better alternative? That's the fundamental premise of my argument that runs through the whole thing. That John Marcone doesn't take actions because they are going to lead to a better outcome. At every juncture, at every opportunity, he takes the easy path. And for a man of his talents, the easy path is to turn to crime. And yes, the streets of Chicago appear cleaner than they did when mafia families were warring. That's true. I don't dispute that. But I dispute that that means that John Marcone is better. He's just a more efficient form of criminal. Just a more efficient form of drug dealer. Why do we look at that and go, oh yes, thank you very much. Doff our caps to the polite man in the suit and walk on. We should be abhorrent. We should be appalled, forgive me, at his behaviour. I fundamentally, I don't see how one can look at John Marcone and think of him as the lesser of two evils. But even if you do... Even if you do think that he is somehow a better alternative, him in power is a better alternative, we should be ashamed of ourselves for wanting that, for not wanting more, for settling for the little that he offers us. Uh, but are, you, are you at some point going to make a case here? Or are you just going to keep being all magniloquent? I feel like this is my case fundamentally. My case oh, is right. that he my, my my case is that he's awful. My case is that he exists to shame us. Uh, so maybe I'm confused because you know I work in the science world and maybe this is right. a thing in the legal world. But you have heard of evidence, right? Is that like a right. thing? I've I've heard of it, but I tend. As often not to as use possible it, fine, to, fine, to fine, not yeah, to yeah. not no, use that's, that's it. Just so long as we're on the same page. Fine. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, in terms of evidence, we can look at his actions in the early series. We look at his actions before he becomes entirely aware of the existence of the supernatural. Right, so. This is a man who's constantly power building. He's seeking to do great harm to his business rival in Full Moon, 
Harley McFinn. He lays a trap for Harley McFinn with the full intention of killing him because he's in his in Mark Allen's way because it's easier than dealing with him. This is the sort of man that you want us to, to consider the saviour of Chicago, the sort of man who's trying his best. If he's trying his best, his best is abhorrent. And if he's not trying his best, we should demand of him his best. I, 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 I'm I, struggling slightly with this for the simple reason that I'm so surprised that this is a contentious point. I, I turn to the, the ladies and gentlemen of the jury and implore them to consider John Marcone, the John Marcone that we all know exists, the man that we all know sits at the top of Chicago's crime family pile. Look at the ruin of human detritus that he's left in his way. Sorry, I'm gesticulating wildly. Which oh, is really, we can hear, yeah. really emphatic. Um, and, the jury's not impressed, FYI. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a real shame. <laughs> They're all sort of looking at their phones, which they totally have in this court. Yeah, they should, you, you should really have handed those in to Yeah, to the, as an oversight the on, the, on the bailiff's part. But you're the yeah. bailiff, so... Oh, of course I am. <laughs> If we, if we want to consider his actions, we can look further at uh, his taking up of a coin. Right? At the point of his receiving a coin, we know that Marcone has already been held prisoner by the Knights of the Black and Denarius, held prisoner by uh, Anduriel and Nicodemus Archleon. And he's looked at them, their, their treatment of... of Ivy, treatment of the archive, which you've already alluded to, my, my friend has already alluded to. And yet he looks at these these people, these monsters, and he thinks, yes, that's what I want. That team. I want to be on that team. I want to join them. I think their way of doing things is correct. Well, I'm not sure about the torture of children, but, you know, I can still... There's still work to be done there. That's... I, that's a morally bankrupt choice. That's taking up the easiest path to help himself. This, these, these are the things that make him the cautionary tale. These are the things that make him the greatest of the Dresden Files villains. Because at every juncture, he is making choices. Now, my, my friend has said that although Mr. Marcone appears in every or in more than a half of the Dresden Files books, he's not the villain of any of them. I don't think that that's true. I think that the point that my friend is, is missing, and perhaps this is due to his fixation on science and evidence rather than themes, Marcone is the villain of all of them. Marcone is the villain of all of them. The fact that he's not defeated at the end of any of the books, the fact that he's not directly pulling the strings as Bianca is or directly kidnapping Thomas as Shagnesty is or directly blowing up Chicago as Ethne is doesn't stop him from being the villain doesn't stop him from being the one that we should be watching the one that we should be scared of these others are smoke screens 
for the very real, very human evil of John Markham. Now, I've been talking for a very long time, so I'm going to yield the floor to, to my friend and get a drink of water. Oh, wait, I'm the friend. Jesus, yeah, I, no, thought, you're, I you're... thought you'd brought some random into this courtroom. No, we address each other, generally right. speaking, in court. I appreciate that it's your first time, but generally I've speaking, we address each other. I've never been so with... insulted in my life. We're not in Parliament <laughs> where you know that's just bullshit. <laughs> well, no, generally speaking, you would you would refer to the opposition as your learned Ugh. friends, but I'm not saying that about you. I just kept the God. words went past my tongue. The Brits really have some issues, don't they? <laughs> so, a lot to unpack there. I was slightly rambling, for which I do apologise. Yeah, it's funny. I, I still feel you've not actually accused him of any particular crimes that he has committed. You, you talk a lot in abstract terms as to why he is a criminal and I'm, taking I'm not, the I'm easy not, path, but you, not, you've not really focused down on anything in particular. The one thing you have focused on is something that I like to refer to as the problem of the coin. Uh, and a problem it may well be. Um, the coins are indeed powerful and indeed problematic. I'm going to say the word problem a lot, I feel. <laughs> uh, almost as pro- problematic as your pronunciation of the word Archleone, in my opinion. I, it's disgusting. It's, 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 a, it's a word from 2,000 years ago. You can pronounce it however the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, so when Archangel Uriel comes along, I will, or Archangel even, I'll let him know. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so the problem with the coin, yes. And it's 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 hard to really come up with any case one way or another in my opinion because obviously we've not known about this for a particularly long time right he's only just taken cone as far as we know although he's probably taken it up since um the shenanigans on the island I forget what book that is anyway sorry i thought that sounds like evidence and we know what i feel about evidence <laughs> this is true. Sorry, I have to forget. I'm speaking to a moron. <laughs> um, but the problem with the coin, uh, the, the the thing that I would con- ask the jury to consider is, as my right honourable learned friend, maybe I don't know how I've, you say it. <laughs> I've, I've just been promoted to prime minister. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you that. The country would probably be better off. <laughs> than it is now. Um, for those of you listening in the far future, 2023 is a wild old time to be alive in the UK, let me tell you. Um, anyway, you've distracted me there. Yes, the thing I would urge people to consider is this issue of choice, and I think that is a really interesting thing to debate in great detail. Because choice is important. It's important in our lives. It's important in the lives of people in the Dresden Files. Um, it's what separates... The mortals from the not-so-mortal. Um, he does pick up the coin, yes. And you are suggesting that that is somehow the easy path, which somehow highlights his character even more, in your opinion. Now, a certain Harry Dresden faces a very similar situation. Now, while he eventually chooses not to actually pick up the coin, he does ride shotgun with what is effectively a fallen angel for a very long time. And with the exception of him throwing hellfire about, he doesn't really abuse that power or doesn't use that power as I'm sure the fallen angel necessarily intended to be used. There is no evidence, uh, your favourite word, that John Marcone has used the power of the Blackened Denarius 
for anything nefarious. As a matter of fact, the only time we ever see him use said power is to rid Chicago, rid the world, of an apocalyptic titan. Um, I would argue that that's using a potent power for good. I'm going to let you rebut that because I think we should dwell on this a little bit. I, I, I I'm also I running out of things to, to say. So. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fair. I've, I've meandered too much for you to be able to rationally debate my points, which I'm quite proud well, of. We're, we'll come back to the, the whole goals thing that you outlined in terms of Harry versus Marcon's goals, but, but let's, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the coin. Let's stick on, stick on the coin for a while. For the Google AI that's listening, the problem of the coin should definitely be a highlight. The problem of the coin, I think, is the one of the most damning to the defence. Any attempt to suggest that employing directly the powers of a fallen angel for anything other than nefarious, ultimately nefarious ends, I think, is doomed before it starts. The only being that we possibly know of who has used and put up a coin entirely, is Sanya, the Knight of Hope. I believe. Although I'm willing to be corrected on that. I don't count Harry Dresden because at no point did he use the power of the coin. Um... I don't think the use of Hellfire counts. Not really. He's, he uses the shadow. He doesn't use Fallen Angel No, well, itself. I guess there was... Um, oh, I've forgotten his name, but the Roman guy. He technically put a He doesn't... He do- <laughs> As does Nicodemus, but you know, <laughs> but neither of those. <laughs> Not are done. That it doesn't really stick, does it? <laughs> neither of those are done in good faith, and I think yeah. that's the distinction. So Sanya I think, I is think... the only person who, in good faith, puts it up. And Sanya is a singular individual. He wields the sword of hope, and is for a long time the sole knight of the cross. That's that's a one in a million yeah. person, as far as I'm con- one one in so... a billion. So your argument is that inherently the fallen angels that inhabit the coins, because they are pure evil, you you cannot try to use their power for... I, th- I think that any attempt to, over the long term, use their power is doomed to failure. That's the whole point of the Faustian bargain, right? You don't beat the devil. You don't win a Faustian bargain. At any point, yeah, but it depends on the nature of the bargain, doesn't it? Really? No, I don't. I don't think it does. I think that's the point. You, no, what, what's what, there's a really right, good so example. We have, we have to essentially come up with what what is the the raison d'être for the coins? Like what? You know, because I guess we only ever really see them from the perspective of someone like Nicodemus, who who clearly has some sort of grand strategy plan that. So even I can't defend as being anything but morally reprehensible. And then the other main camp is um, his his wife Tessa, who is just out for uh, I don't even know what, but it's not good. Armageddon, fundamentally, Armageddon. I think is the point of the coins. And yeah, but you see, but or, this is or, where I think the nature of Marcone's coin comes into play, right? Because Thornard Namshiel, we we certainly get glimpses that that's a particular fallen angel who has a perhaps separate agenda or at least perhaps works with different circles to achieve something we don't yet know yes i think that of the denarians namshiel is 
of the named denarians because there are meant to be 30 and we've seen about eight on page of the named denarians i do think thorn namshiel is the most obscure that we've seen the one with the most opaque motivations but i don't think you can the get name past Thorned also kind of gives away some potential potentially yes downstream something I do not think that you can get past the fact that Thorned Namshiel is a fallen angel. With no, all quite. that that entails, bound into one of the 30 coins, yeah. paid to Judas Iscariot by yes. the Romans for turning yes. Christ over to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, speed it up. That's it. That's that. Like, <laughs> those, those points matter. The, symb- the symbolism no. matters. No. Yes, but no, but what matters ultimately is that Don Marcone can only really be blamed for thinking that he might be able to go against the coin's but, nature, that he might sheer, be able to exert control. That is the only choice that he has made but the sheer in that regard. But of that. Yeah, but Harry Dresden considers it. And Someone like Sanya down. falls. He turns it down, yes, because Harry doesn't think he is strong enough. John Marcone, if there's anything we can say about John Marcone, is that he really believes in himself. It's More true. than any creature possibly we have met, with the exception of Mab. <laughs> it's, um, it's true. It's true. And, so, and, and I genuinely think that there is nothing so far to suggest that he has picked up the coin with nefarious end goals. And I maintain that he has but, probably done this to, to, to do what he's always done, which is protect his own territory. I don't agree with that at all. I think you look well, at what the coin I'm, gives you. The coin gives you long life. It gives you power. Those are the two things that John Marcone receives from picking up the coin. Now, his goals may be laudable. I doubt it, but they may be. But that's not the point. The tools that we use to achieve well, our goals matter. I'm going to have to call a witness into the stand. Wait, what? And you're going to like it. I'm really confused. We're doing witnesses? Uh, well, I'm just going to get the witness to deliver a line. Oh, you're reading a witness statement? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a character quote. Ah, uh, a witness. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't actually know what it is. It's just a really good quote that I want to use. You're just, you're just, you're, you're, you're just <laughs> about to quote Michael Car- Carpenter. At I am I'm about to, to hang about up to quote this Michael call. Carpenter. Yes. So what Michael Carpenter says? It's one of the things that makes us different than they are, Harry. He's obviously speaking to Harry in this case, as you might have gathered from. Th- thanks for clearing that bit up. Yeah. The blood on their hands does not make it right to bloody my own. My choices are measured against my own soul, not against the stains on theirs. You you put that into the situation that we're discussing. Marcone could have picked up the coin with an attempt to just do what he thinks is right, and using a tool that, yes, is stained, but it is not a reflection of his own self. No, I... He thinks that he can control what he is doing. But, but what if he's wrong? But what if he's, we can't predict the future? Well, no, well, but actually, we a can, lot of wizards can, and, and no we, one's come in to kill Marcone yet. So there you go. That's, that's a defense up. by not having been murdered by the White Council just yet. There that's you go. A, that's a blinding sideswipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That was great. That's, that's quite good. I, I do like that. Um, <laughs> the, the defense rests. <laughs> the defense rests. Ebenezer if, McCoy if John Marcone is is guilty, a wizard of the White Court will come in right now and kill him. <laughs> t- oh look, he's still alive. Good, <laughs> I win. <laughs> Sorry, I, I derailed Christ. this there. <laughs> that's, that's that's gone all over the place. My, my, the Michael place. is right. The choices that we make define us. 
right? The choices that we make are the only thing that weighs our own conscience. But the fact yeah. that John Mark and and yeah, so the only thing that John Marcone is guilty of is picking up and using a tool at the moment. But you have to take it in the sorry in re, in relation to the problem of the coin because he's guilty of a whole manner of other, you know, money laundering, solicitation. Um, bribery and corruption, etc. Probably murder, drugs running, all of these things. That's all, that all goes without saying. I can't believe you let me get away with that. Goes without saying, but I'm going to take it. In relation, oh, sorry, to the problem, I genuinely zoned out for a second. In relation to the problem of the coin, the only thing that Marcone is currently guilty of is picking up and using a tool. Yes, true, agreed. But you have to look at the tool. You have to question. When the tool is something like a fallen angel, the motives of the tool, right? And I don't see how you can look at the, the using of a fallen angel and striking a bargain with a fallen angel oh, because man. Thorn, Thorned Namshiel is teaching Marcone magic for a reason and not think that it's an inherently corrupting influence. Power corrupts. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so very close to saying guns don't kill people, people kill people. <laughs> oh, look sure. at, I said it <laughs> but there's a reason why you're not allowed to just walk down to Tesco and buy a gun in the UK no quite quite. guns don't kill people, people kill people but making it harder to kill people is a good thing don't really know why we're now debating gun control but here we are no, and, and for the record I think we are actually agreed on gun control it's a very it's good one, thing it's one of the few <laughs> things we agree on <laughs> Right, but um, even but if we even if we te- look at the problem of the coin and say that in picking up the coin of Thorn Namshiel and in using the Thorn coin of Thorn Namshiel, Marcone seeks to do nothing more than improve the greater good. Even if we accept that, if we accept it goes without saying. It absolutely does not go without saying. <laughs> See, I tried it. Even if we accept that premise, which I do not, the point stands. That the road to hell, finish the quote, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'll finish it for you because you won't play ball. Uh, why would the defense finish the prosecution's quote? Actually, I could have said anything I wanted there, really. Yeah, I, I, gave you, I gave you a wild <laughs> opportunity. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay, now, now you've put Harry Dresden on trial. No, I've got Mark Hale on trial if I was... Putting, yeah, but if uh, if you're going to talk about good intentions, and um, yes, I'm what whataboutism in hard now. You are you are whataboutism hard, but that's a really the, hard word to say, isn't it? Whataboutism in yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll I'll let you make your whatabout. Case. But no, but it, in in the world in which we're dealing, which is the world of the Dresden Files, right, where supernatural threats are quite natural. Hey, I'm filibustering because yeah. I don't know how to finish my argument. Um, I don't even remember how I started my argument. No, the, it's a supernatural world in which a, a mortal man is trying to do something. And yes, the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but surely the road to heaven is also paved with good intentions. The road to heaven is paved with good action. Oh, yeah, but what, what motivates action if not intention? No, but the point is, good intention is not in and of itself. No, adequate. I know, but but he, I've, I've said he's backed it up with action. He killed it. Well, he didn't kill Ethnia, but he allowed Harry to. Uh, but you've got to weigh. You've got to weigh the good and the bad. 
But what's the bad a... of him having picked up the coin? You, you've got zero proof of anything bad of him having no, picked up the no, coin. No, not the coin. The coin. The coin. The coin is a tool. Like the... uh, liaising with a fallen angel. Yes, but I maintain this is just you know him thinking that he has the upper hand because he's always had the upper hand in every business interaction he's de- uh, he's, he's yeah. had. And for Christ's but, sake, he, he's he's a, he's effectively a child, and he somehow manages to to liaise with the likes of Mab and Odin. A yes, fallen angel so is probably child's play to him. Imagine what he could do if he wasn't constantly doing the shitty thing. That's my that's that's my whole point about Marcon. But there is no whole assertion that if Marcon decided right, to be okay, a, so we're gonna we're gonna switch to this. Okay, yeah, go on. If if Marcon decided, yeah, I'm I'm parking the problem of the coin. Because yeah, no, that's fair. I, I just. We're going to agree to disagree. (laughs) We're going to agree to disagree and leave that one to the jury. I feel like we're going to agree to disagree with all of them because that's the point. If the defense at any point goes, oh, yeah, you're right, then I think I just win and vice versa. Mm, Vice versa. I like vice versa. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You have yourself a deal, maybe, that I can renege on. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You You can concede a point without conceding the argument. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah go on so we'll park the coin no well no, no, i'm not gonna park the coin sorry w- one last thing i think there is there is precedent in the books right a that you can put down the coin once you've done it as sign yeah. has exemplified but yes a special being but I, I would argue so it's john McCoy. there is some sort of precedent that you could pe- perhaps alter at least some part of the entity residing within it i um, think and i, I, can, and I think I know. let me finish Sorry. Shut up and let me talk. <laughs> Sorry. And I, and I think, I'm not saying that, that that is right. I'm saying that there is precedent. And I'm saying that John Markham probably knows that to an extent. He's very well informed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he knows, maybe he thought Nanshiel told him about it. I don't know. But he, he probably knows that Harry had an interaction with Lashiel. And he will have seen him. He's a very astute individual. He will have seen that Harry was not, in fact, you know, a knight of the Black Indonarius. He, he exerted some sort of control over it. What he may not fully realize is that that was not the coin itself, but just a mere imprint. But I'm just saying, that I, I fully believe that John Marconi is the kind of individual who has seen that and thought, well, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And with that, we can move on. <laughs> that's that's fair. I'll, I'll allow you to have the last word on that while I try and remember. You say that, you're, you're, you're editing, so... <laughs> So that would be really funny. Just cut out the last five minutes. <laughs> Just cut me out altogether. <laughs> um, what was I? I've completely forgotten where I we, was going. We were going to move on to... Um, what were we going to move on to? The, use, the uses to which John Marcone will put the coin... Yeah, so that, that, yeah, so I guess John Marcone's motivation, I guess, is John what Marcone's we're heading motivation. with. Yeah. That's that's where we're going. The, 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 so, the, yes, the, the intention right. and the action, I guess. The, in- <laughs> the, the 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 disconnect between the intention and the action. So, that's, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, because we've got okay. to keep pretending that we're <laughs> bring back the other guy. Bring back the other guy. Wait, what? No. Um, the point that we must consider is the uses to which John Marcone could have otherwise put his prodigious abilities, his prodigious intellect, and his prodigious will. 
rather than become a politician, become mayor of Chicago and seek to reform from the inside, he takes a failing city, seizes it in a moment of turmoil, and refuses to let go while bleeding it dry. This is, these are not the actions of a good man. Another mm. interpretation of that is, is the man who sees that the system that would ordinarily have to step in to right the wrongs that we see is in fact inherently broken and corrupt and for some reason full of people with guns in Chicago. Uh, I, think, I think that man logically assessed the situation and thought, I can do a better job of that. Not dissimilar, in fact, to a particular Harry Dresden, who could equally have also gone to the, the relevant authorities, but instead throws his lot in with the likes of the Winterfey. I, th- uh, I don't want to do a, a comparison of Harry versus John, but what I'm saying is, and yes, we are on first name terms, uh, what, I, what I'm saying is that, again, it comes back down to to his own estimation of himself, which is an incredibly capable individual. And I think he has realized that the normal channels through which you would achieve things, be it politics or whatnot, are just as broken as everything else. But I'm not. And it's it's tedious, it's time-consuming, and it often doesn't do anywhere near as much good as the approach that he's taken. I'm not talking about, as I think you might be, his interactions with the supernatural. No, I'm talking about just Chicago. Yes, or, you could become a politician, and yes, you could improve funding in the police, and you could get rid of corruption, and then yes, you'd be 75 years old before you've done anything. What I think he is doing is saying, fuck all of that, I become the major crime lord in the city, and yes, hands get dirty, you know, collateral damage is a thing, it is not a bad thing always, it is a thing, however... And I think he has taken that into consideration. He's done the calculation and he has said, this is by far the most expedient way with which to improve the lives of your average citizen in Chicago. It's, it's an empire built on misery and the destruction uh, but, but of lives. That's, but the only evidence you have for that is Harry Dresden's internal monologue. That's, no, that's not true. That's the, the evidence that I have for that is... No, the evidence is that crime is on balance down... When Chicago, uh, Chicago, yeah, well, when Chicago was in the sort of criminal control, uh, if you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. When John, when John Mark Cohen took over the organized crime syndicate, the majority of it, crime demonstrably went down. Even Karen Murphy, a police officer at the time, said as much. That is direct evidence. <laughs> what, what you're essentially suggesting is, yes, we should get rid of organized crime. And yeah, I, I'm not necessarily going to argue with that, Right. In an ideal world, we would have no crime. But that's that's unfeasible. Moving the harm underground doesn't negate the harm. It's not moving the harm underground, it's reducing the harm. No, that's where the assertion falls away. You're saying the harm is reduced because we can't see it, because it's not being recorded, because it's quieter, because it's nicer. No, they're on balance. Fewer dead bodies. He's still selling drugs on street corners. He's still running high-end brothels, which probably means he's still running low-end brothels where exploitation is happening. And he's looked at that. I'm not saying... I'm not looking for a world in which... Well, I am looking for a world in which there is no organised crime, but that's not my point. My point is 
And it's the same as the problem of the coin. You have to judge him by the tools he's using. And the tools yes. that he uses at every juncture are ones that cause harm. And That's he, demonstrably false. Organised crime causes harm. Demonstrably he, false. I, I will read crime, you an excerpt, if I may. No, I'm not going to... Organised crime causes harm. True or false? Uh, um, sure, yes. Right. If you choose to use organised crime as your tool, I'll let you get to your quote in a minute. If you choose to use organised crime as your tool, you are choosing to use something as your tool that causes harm. No. It may be that the harm that you cause using organised crime is lesser than the harm caused by someone else using organised crime. That may be true. Park that for a moment. You're still using a tool that causes harm to achieve your ends. That is selfish. No, it's not. It's using a known known. As in a known known to the public. That yes, organised crime Why do you has its get... drawbacks. But, but, but whereas, he, he, as I said, he could easily have become a politician, in which case you are just doing all the same things, but in an underhanded way. What's your quote? <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to read the whole quote, but it's it's the scene in uh, we should have prepped it better in Death Masks, where uh, Michael and Harry are once again being aided by our certain John Marcone because Marcone has done nothing but help Harry in the books. And yes, he does at one point say, wouldn't it be easier to just finish these men? They're fanatics. If they wake up, they'll attack us without hesitation, armed or not. Very sensible suggestion to kill these people. Or whatever they are. I don't actually know what they are. It's a great case, this, isn't it? Fantastic. Nailing just, it. I'm really nailing it. <laughs> and Harry says, we're not going to murder them in cold blood. And he says, is there a particular reason why not? Shut up, Marcone. Useful. They would show us no mercy, and if they are allowed to live, they will surely be used by the Denarians to cause pain and death. It is their purpose. That's actually really undermined a lot of what I said earlier. I should not have read that. <laughs> We're not killing them, says Harry. Marcone's mouth curled into a bitter smile. How did I guess? He snapped open a case on his belt and tossed two sets of handcuffs at Sanya. Right? And then he says, I suppose yep. we'll just have to take the chance that none of them will chew off his own hand at the wrist and slip free. Yep. So this is John yep. Marcone electing to not kill people. What a hero. I mean, sorry, really, your, sorry, your your point is there that he had to be convinced to not kill unarmed men. I, I don't think no, that quote that, helps you in the way that you think that it does. <laughs> what I'm saying is that he's clearly considered that there are multiple options. And what I'm saying is that he usually goes for the most pragmatic. Yes, and the prag it's the pra pragmatic. The pragmatic the Pragmatism option. is king. <laughs> pragmatism is not king. Pragmatism is 100% king. The world would be a much better place if we were all pragmatic. The world would not be a better place if we were all pragmatic. The world would be a better place if we all strove to be better people. No, it wouldn't, because we'd have no fucking time left to actually do anything. I, you fill your time with being a good person. It's an active struggle, yes. That cannot come as a surprise to you. <laughs> I think we've, uh, I think we've, I think we've hit upon our issue, ladies and gentlemen. I really hope the ethics board isn't listening. <laughs> <sighs> no, what I'm saying is, and again, this this comes down to a line of argument that we've attempted many times. Right, is that it's very hard for us to argue this because we live in a normal world. Yes, it is, and that's why I've tried very hard to. Con condense my arguments to um, 
the 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 real the real side of the conflict that that Marco deals with. I think if you open it up to the supernatural, it's easy to yeah, look at sure, the choice between sure. Marcone and the FOMO. But again, right? but you, but you can but you can kind you of apply at- our daily struggles and the choices we make, right? Which are on the on the face of it pretty small scale. But I right. think I, and I'm sure that you're no exception. If if I saw a friend in danger or a family member in danger, or whatever. I would probably take quite drastic actions, like things that I would maybe not normally consider mm-hmm. to do, right? That may even cross the bounds of not not legality as such, because there's all self-defense and all that sort of nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that if we were to operate on the same sort of scale, not even on the supernatural scale, but like city-wide, yeah. whatever scale, you know, would we be a million miles away from John Marcone? Yeah, I, I, I grant you that, yes, the, the original choice to be in organized crime perhaps but it's really unclear as to the history surrounding that i think and his bed is sort of made when amanda beckett is shot and i think that once that happens it's very hard to turn back i don't think it is at all i think that's 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 a reprehensible thing to sorry no that's i'm it's not no, that's, that's just no, no. finish um, the sentence no You've no started because... it now. <laughs> call no. me reprehensible because that was um, oratory rather than what I genuinely mean. I don't agree with that position. I think that Amanda Beckett getting hurt was the perfect time to step off, to, to look at your actions and go, whoa, shit, no. My God, the, the harm that I caused through my actions has been condensed into a single person, and I can look at that person and feel guilt for the harm that I caused. And Marco does feel guilt. We know that he feels guilt for what happened to Amanda Becker. Yeah, but, but, my, do- but my counter to that is, I think that when you're faced with the option of, I could probably do something by going to the authorities and the police, knowing full well that nothing's going to happen, or you genuinely back yourself enough to make a difference on your own, I'd be hard-pressed to not back myself. I find I find the hubris so difficult to get past. I think that's my yeah, my but but, but for that, unfortunately, we have to rely on on Mark Owen's merits that we, you know, because he has kind of made it reprehensible or not. Like he's a big player, he's an important he, player. He he's done well. He is, but now, he's that's done... a shit argument because that's sort of using the future to justify the past. That's, but... it's... It also ends justify means, and you're saying that his ends ends justify means. Yes, thank you. You've made my case for me. But you're also saying that the end of becoming a big deal is a sufficient end, which is interesting. And I'd actually like to use. No, no, that's not what I said. You're putting words in my mouth. There, I'm saying he is a big deal. I'm not saying that that was his end goal. I'm saying his end goal was to make a difference. I don't. I think you're. I think he's the actor. He does it time and again. Why would he help Harry on all these occasions when it doesn't make a difference? There are times where he he literally goes out of his way to save Harry from the corpse taker. There's no reason, right? At this point, Harry is not even his friend. He doesn't have to do anything. This guy would murder Harry Dresden flat out, and he just goes out of his way to do it because I think on balance he sees that Harry Dresden is a force for good in Chicago and in the world. I think it's a long bet 
I think that's I, well, what it's, a, it's a long bet. Of course it is. But it, no, it's but, not but, a long but, bet but, on but you're, how you're I think trying to suggest. Good. Okay, we're, we're talking fully over each other now. You go. <laughs> it's it's not a long bet on Harry Dresden being a good force for Chicago. It's a long bet on Harry Dresden being a useful asset to have in your pocket. I think but that's it's one the and the fu- same thing. That's what no. I'm saying. Yeah, I, I know that's what you're saying, and I don't agree with you. I think that the steps that Marconi takes are steps to increase his own power. That is that is it. That is the end. I think. Uh, I won't go as far as saying that's incidental because I don't think that's true. I think it is the end, but I think it's an end that is not. It's the step on the road, Everything. the actual end. My goodness, that was a tortured sense. You're saying that the end that he is seeking requires him to have more power than he has. Uh, yes, that's it's exactly, an, it's yeah. a necessary component of his end. It is not the end. I don't agree. You I know, think you should I, give this whole defense thing a go. You're not I'm, bad at it. <laughs> Certainly better at it than the prosecution. You're, you're, you're making it easy to be better at it than you. No, but no, that's not what I said. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I provided evidence against my own client. But yes, I'm, I'm just going to skate past that out there. What the Knights of the Blackington are is do is to is exist to create <laughs> mayhem. But having Marco and say that the, the Knights of the Blackington are bad is is is, is shit. But I think, my my I think, fucking aid is getting fired. They really should have think, checked this. Yeah, yeah. You just want to cut that quote, I think. You want to do well, one yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I committed to the sentence. I was like, "Fuck." There's so little edit, square brackets with the with the dots in it. Um, I know that you're. I know you're good for it. You'll edit that out for me, won't you? Yeah, no worries. Don't worry yeah. about it. Cheers. Yeah, thanks. I just like to. It's really annoying because I've got. I have this quote that I, I I very nearly slipped in. It is perfect, but then you rode back from your sentence, which is really annoying. But I'm just going to going to say it anyway because it's a you nice present. On going to wade on anyway so this quote comes from the Tao Te Ching and it reads there is no guilt greater than to sanction ambition no calamity greater than to be discontented with one's lot no fault greater than the wish to be getting therefore the sufficiency of contentment is an enduring and unchanging sufficiency I think that is a damning indictment of John Marcone's character everything he does is seeking to improve his own ends he is ambitious to a fault and that is as the quote says there is no guilt greater than that you know that borrowed profundity is not as profound as it might appear yeah no i know i just like the quote um (laughs) i wrote here when when the asian philosophy comes out throw lara in his face and i think that's probably all i need to say about that it would be distracting, but I don't see how it's relevant. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Now, the issue is, of course, that was written many, many years before Lara Wraith was in, in Asia. I was going to make some sort of, you know, using yeah. the philosophy of the people who educated Lara Wraith, that trying, kind of thing. Trying to trying to drop the, the Tao Te Ching, which I'm fairly sure is Chinese. Uh, Lara Wraith, who spent quite a lot of time in... The um, East. In Japan... Yeah, borders were very fluid back then. I don't think they were. I think the whole point... The whole point There were many emperors. They may have forgotten what island they were on. The whole point of that interaction between Harry and and Lara is Harry going, I thought it was really hard to get into Japan then. And Lara goes, yes, but have you seen me? Yeah, fair. Fair. (laughs) That's why I wasn't going to use it. And then I did it anyway. Yeah, but then you used it anyway. So I got got to make you look silly. So many great quotes I haven't had a chance to use, but I'm, sure I'm really curious how you, I'm really curious how you were going to use Byron. 
Oh, that was going to be my my closing statement of sorts. All right, well, all right, I'll 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 allow you, I'll I won't steal your thunder then. I think Although, actually, admittedly, I'm reading one now, and none of them. I think I just copied it because I thought it was nice. Does yeah, it actually have any bearing to anything? That's, that's <laughs> sort of sort of why I had that quote from the Tao. It's sort of yeah, I like that. Um, but I well, think, I, I think uh, no, this is actually not a bad place to use that quote. So if if I may, because I guess we should we should wrap up. I was, I was uh, going anyway. to I was going to wrap up. So I'll. Yeah, if you if you want to want to, close. It's, it's, it's just a quote, Jen. I think it's pretty clear that everyone that there is no easy solution, even just in one trial. It's probably why trials don't just take an hour, generally um, speaking. So perhaps we will keep on. Maybe we'll turn this into like an episodic. The trial of John Marcone continues. We're not doing John Marcone <laughs> again, but we could do we could do other trials. I think, and we would. Well, having done this one, I think we could probably do other ones. Better. Yeah, let us know if you want if you want more of these episodes. It's been fun to record. Um, I think it has. Our structure disappeared. Our structure disappeared quite, quite significantly, but you know we can work on that. But um, yeah, I'm sure Mark Owen will be a topic in future episodes on the Dresden Files, regardless. Um, once Jim Butcher finishes the books, anyway. But I will end on a quote by Lord Byron, of course, which I think is very appropriate with, with given that we all what we've discussed. He knew himself a villain, but he deemed the rest no better than the thing he seemed, and scorned the best as hypocrites who hid those deeds the bolder spirit plainly did. He knew himself detested, but he knew the hearts that loathed him, crouched and dreaded too. Lone, wild, and strange, he stood alike exempt from all affection and from all contempt. That's a good quote. You sound a bit teary-eyed there. No, I'm not. I'm just feel like you're about to say to... like, yeah, John Brooklyn's a hero. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> he's so great. <laughs> I I don't have a an equivalently profound quote. I should really have saved the towel for for my closing rather than just shoehorning it in where it wasn't appropriate. Well, I win. There you go. You heard it here. <laughs> you ran out of quotes. John <laughs> ran out of quotes. I mean, I could do Derek Parfit if you like. It just doesn't really. No, please, actually. No, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really fit. Um, I, I, I think, I think my case remains as it always has been. John Marcone is a waste of human potential. He's a man who could Oof. do great. He's a man who could be the very best of humanity if he would only choose to do so. And at every juncture, at every opportunity, when presented with opportunities to be good or to choose the easy path, he chooses the easy path. He picks up the coin. He leads criminal organisations. He murders. He kills. He steals. He infects. He poisons. That is John Marcone. Real wasted opportunity to use Dumbledore's quote there. I know. I, I, I didn't want to because Gandalf one time. I didn't want to because you'd have waded in and go, oh, that's yeah. a great quote from Gandalf. Uh, let it be known to the court and the jury that the prosecution does in fact consist of a man who once mistaked, mistaked, mistook <laughs> Gandalf for Dumbledore. You know what? I think we should wrap it up because I'm just going to make make my own case by it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the defense apparently consists of a man who thinks mistaked is a word. Mistaked. But anyway... I'm foreign. What's your excuse? Tired. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt, 
we've again said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com, tweet us at zero expertise, check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes, and if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Come back next time for some more absolute nonsense.